First Samuel chapter 18 tonight. How could we forget where we were? David just defeated Goliath. I love how he finishes off and he's like carrying the head of the giant, you know. <laughs> it's unbelievable. So that's awesome. So uh, chapter 18, verse 1. We'll pick up there. Now when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as as him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to the sword and his bow and his belt." And so we see this right off the bat here. We see this covenant between Jonathan and David. And I mean, just as we're going through 1 Samuel here, we can, it's really amazing. I mean, we can see why these guys clicked. Um, We had the account where uh, Jonathan and his armor bearer took a step of faith and went up against the Philistines. And then we just read about David taking a step of faith and going out against Goliath. And both of these uh, young men were men of God that did incredible things for the Lord. And they they were like-minded uh, with the Lord, and we could see how they would bond. But it's still incredible because without God, this never would have happened. Uh, Jonathan being the crown prince next in line for the kingdom, and Saul being the last born in his house, the youngest son in his house, and a poor shepherd, Right? And really, they should have never really crossed paths, but because of the Lord, they became uh, better friends than brothers, right? And, um, and I think it's just incredible that Jonathan, really what we see here is that he was noticing the anointing upon David, who was probably five or ten years younger than him, um, but realized that David was going to be the next king. And that's what he was saying by giving up his, his robe, his uh, sword, all these things over to David. And really, Jonathan should have been the next king. I mean, that's the way the world would have saw it. And yet, he was willing to do this because he wanted what the Lord wanted more than what he wanted, right? And uh, Proverbs 18.24 says, A man... Who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And this is just a good reminder to us that uh, we need to pour into others and be friendly with each other. And we see this bond as we go through 1 Samuel between Jonathan and David looking out for each other. And even to the end, right, when, um, if you guys remember, this is going ahead into 2 Samuel, but uh, Jonathan's son... Oh, you're going to have to help me with the name. Mephibosheth? Mephibosheth, thank you. Uh, Was taken care of by David. And um, he was a cripple, and uh, David was a king at the time. 
And David asked if anybody was left in the household of Saul, and he was the last one left, and he, he invited them into the court and took care of them. And so this, this friendship not only lasted uh, here through 1 Samuel, but all the way t- to uh, Jonathan's son as well. Um, okay, uh, verse 5. So David, well, let me say one more thing. I, I don't want to skip over this because it's not really relevant to the teaching tonight, but I want to say it. Um, some people will take this, this passages here, and they'll say this is um, proof of a homosexual relationship between Jonathan and David, and um, this affection for each other. And that's totally wrong. I mean, there's, no, there's nothing here. This is like more of a modern thing that's come out, and it's only come out because they're reading it in the English. If you read the Hebrew text, it's completely wrong. Um, the bond they had for each other was a love. Two men can love each other, right? This is okay. It wasn't a physical intimacy. That was not what's indicated here. In the scripture, when we, especially uh, like in Genesis, for example, when it says Adam, Adam knew Eve and they bore a son, that's the word, the Hebrew word is totally different when it's translated that way. And um, that is not what's implied here at all. So just just in case you come across that, this is one of those common verses that are used. Um, okay, verse uh, 5. So David went out wherever Saul sent him and behaved wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Now, we, I mean, this is kind of one of the big themes tonight is is David walking in wisdom. I, I would, you know, when I was kind of going through this chapter, and we're going to uh, finish up chapter 18 tonight, really the big theme was wisdom, walking with the Lord, and being humble. Those are, those are really the big themes, and we're going to see this constant theme of wisdom that, that God was pouring into David and giving him more wisdom. And um, uh, the Proverbs 4, 7 says, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. Uh, I I like to say this is my favorite verse, but I always say stuff like that. So it's not. But uh, I like this verse because especially the part in all you're getting. Because I I think of, you know, like we have a getting room in our house. I don't know if you guys have getting rooms in your house. But some people call them storage rooms. But, uh, you know, all this stuff you get. Right, and all that time you spend getting things. Well, maybe take a break from all you're getting, and um, and get understanding, get wisdom, seek the Lord, and go after the things of the Lord. So take a break from all you're getting, right, at times, and uh, and go after the Lord. Um, uh, this is from the New Living Translations, but James tells us what what is wisdom, right? I mean, we we throw the word around, but we get a definition here in James. James 3.17 says, but the wisdom from above, and it gives us, kind of lays it all out here, is first pure, and that's not, you know, that's everything about us, how we conduct our lives. Are we doing what is good, what is godly, what is uh, righteous, right? It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others, you ever have the, a boss say, my way or the highway, this is the way we do things, right? And, um, but that's not wisdom from God. I mean, a, a wise leader 
is willing to listen to people and, and take advice from others and willing to yield to others, even when they think, well, maybe this isn't the right way I would do it, but maybe it's from the Lord, and so let's give it a shot. Um, it is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere, so it's not hypocritical. And so that's, that's the way God des- defines wisdom. And another thing, another verse in James, James 1.5 says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, who gives, it, gives to all liberally without reproach, and it will be given to him. Isn't that a comfort to hear that God wants us to be wise, right? He wants us to be walk wiser. And, he, and it, the verse says he gives it out liberally, right? That we should, we should ask with belief that God will give us wisdom if we really desire that. Um, 1 Samuel 18, let's go to verse 6. Now it happened as they were coming home when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistines that the woman came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy, and with musical instruments. Oh, Saul must have been loving this. Verse 7 So the women sang as they danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands. Oh, that sounds like a good verse. And David his ten thousands. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. If we know anything about Saul, this second verse didn't probably sit well with him. Um, Yeah, we have an interesting scenario. And if you guys remember back when uh, Jonathan was routing the Philistines, right, this... this, uh, great victory that happened over the Philistines that really God was doing all the work, but he used Jonathan immediately. What does Saul do? He's blowing the trumpet. You know, he's, he's blowing the trumpet. Look at me. Look at the big victory. Do, 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 you know, <laughs> and so Saul loves blowing his own horn. He loves taking credit for the victory. And so here we see that the people are starting to take notice of David, and so much so they didn't equate him with Saul. They equated him 10 times greater than Saul, right? And um, something happens in uh, the mind of Saul here. You, you know, at the beginning of the chapter, you know, you see a little back and forth, right? I mean, we have um, uh, before, I think when Pastor Jonathan taught a couple of weeks ago, David was invited into the house of Saul. He was playing the harp because it was comforting to him. And then uh, David defeats the giant. Uh, Beginning of chapter 18, we see that uh, Saul puts him over, it says, like the men of war. So, I mean, he could have been like a general in the army. I mean, a significant role um, in the army. And he was having great victory. And all these things were happening. But um, I think Saul is starting to understand something here that Samuel had told them a couple of chapters back, and you guys remember this, um, but to flip back to chapter 15, verse 27, and Samuel's talking to Saul here. And as Samuel turned around to go away, Saul seized the edge of his robe, and it tore. So Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today, and has given it to your neighbor of yours, who is better than you. And also the strength of Israel will not lie nor relent, for he is not a man that he should relent. And so Samuel tells Saul that 
the nation has been given to someone else. It's been torn from you. And I think at this moment, Saul probably realizes that that's someone else's David, right? Um, and we see this downward, again, a continual downward progression of Saul, but it's now going to get worse. Uh, so verse 8. Then Saul was very angry, and the saying displeased him. And he said, They have ascribed to David 10,000, and to me they have ascribed only thousands. Now, what, can, what more can, can he have but the kingdom? There it is, right? So Saul eyed David from that day forward. And it happened on the next day that the distressing spirit from God came upon Saul, and he prophesied inside his house. Now, when it says here he prophesied, I mean, a lot of times we think like he's oh, given some, a message from the Lord. Um, but this word here is, can easily be translated he was babbling, like he was making um, incoherent noises out of his mouth, okay? And so this is, you know, part of this distressing spirit here. And uh, he, he prophesied inside his house, so David played music with his hand, as at other times, but there was a spear in Saul's hand. And Saul cast the spear, for he said, I will pin David to the wall, but David escaped his presence twice. And um, I'll read verse 12. Now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. Okay, so we see this situation. Obviously, David's got the harp. Saul is um, carrying the spear. And it says not only once, but twice, the spear was cast at David. I, um, I, I, I would think that had anybody had a right to be angry, it would have been David at this point. <laughs> You know, uh, what, what a crazy thing to happen to you. I brought up this book, and I'm not trying to make book sales or anything, so, but it's just, it's really impactful. It's called The Tale of Three Kings. Um, you can, many of you have probably read it, but I want to read a couple of pages to you. And um, if you want, you can borrow it from me, but please bring it back. I, I like reading it every few years because it's, it's a short read, uh, but you can borrow it from me. So, um, I want to read a couple of these pages, and it's specifically about this incident. Um, this book, just so you know, it's about three kings. Uh, one of them's Saul, one of them's David, and the other one is Absalom. Remember him, David's son, right? And, um, and everybody, if you look at those three kings, and a lot of this is laying it out, well, who are you kind of thing, right? And a lot of us start reading the book, and we'll say, we're David, of course, Right? I mean, who wouldn't say they're David um, when, you, when you have a pick of those three kings? And so, um, but as you start reading, a little bit of Saul in me at least, and uh, maybe in you, perhaps, I don't know, and um, maybe some Absalom and stuff, but he's, it starts to realize how the flesh can really um, convince you to do things that are a lot like Saul, you know, if you're not walking with the Lord. Um, All right, so let me read a couple of pages just to give you this uh, perspective. God has a university. It's a small school, few enroll, even fewer graduate, very, very few indeed. God has this school because he does not have broken men and women. 
Instead, he has several other types of people. He has people who claim to have God's authority and don't, people who claim to be broken and aren't, and people who do have God's authority but who are mad and unbroken. And he has, regretfully, a great mixture of everything in between. All of these he has in abundance, but broken men and women, hardly at all. In God's sacred school of submission and brokenness, why are there so few students? Because all students in this school must suffer pain. And as you might guess, it is often the unbroken ruler who God sovereignly picks who mets out that pain. David was once a student in this school, and Saul was God's chosen way to crush David. As the king grew in madness, David grew in understanding. He knew that God had placed him in the king's palace under true authority. The authority of King Saul was true. Yes, God's chosen authority, chosen for David, unbroken authority, yes, but divine in ordination nonetheless. Yes, that is possible. David drew in his breath, placed himself under his mad king, and moved farther down the path of earthly hell. David had a question. What do you do when someone throws a spear at you? Does it seem odd to you that David did not know the answer to this question? After all, everyone else in the world knows what to do when a spear is thrown at you. Why you pick up the spear and throw it right back? When someone throws a spear at you, David, just wrench it out of the wall and throw it back. Everyone else does. You can be sure. And in performing this small feat of returning thrown spears, you will prove many things. You are courageous. You stand for the right. You boldly stand against the wrong. You are tough and you, can, you can't be pushed around. You will not stand for injustice or unfair treatment. You are the defender of the faith, keeper of the flame, detector of all heresy. You will not be wrong. All of these attributes then combine to prove that you are also a candidate for kingship. Yes, perhaps you are the Lord's anointed after the order of King Saul. There is also the possibility that some 20 years after the coronation, you will be the most incredibly skilled spear thrower in all the realm, and also by then quite mad. So it's a good book. Check it out. Um, but I think he says it well, this author, that David just sit there, and he, he was just dodging spears, and it didn't even bother him. I mean, that's the most incredible thing. And here, you know, obviously no one's throwing spears at us today, but the, the way we get spears typically is words, right? Either directly to us or behind our back that we hear about. And the most hurtful ones are usually in the church, right? People that, uh, that we love, that we trust, and may not even intend to hurt us, but they do. And, and what we do with that is, you know, e- even in this case, Saul is anointed by God and he's a king, And David submitted to his authority, even though he was mad at this point, right? He was a little bit crazy. Um, But David was not going to take things in his own hand. He was going to leave it up to the Lord. And that's an important lesson, I think, for all of us. As we interact with people at church, you know, in our job, um, where God has us, and maybe he has a lesson for us to learn there. Um, 
I want to read to you guys a verse in Romans. Romans 12, 19 through 21. And you guys know these. I just, I just think it kind of brings the point home. Beloved, do not avenge yourself, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap up coals of fire on his head. And do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Uh, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And you could see David was truly in God's school here uh, to be a man after God's own heart. And, I, you know, David, I think, did amazing things as a king. But probably for us, his, the, the hurt he went through and what we're going to see through the rest of 1 Samuel, the hurt he went through, probably had a bigger impact on the world through his writings, right, through the Psalms and how much comfort that has for people, um, even today, right? Ever since David wrote his psalms, and his, those psalms have probably had a bigger impact on people than his kingship, right? And what he did as a king. And all of that was God's will, right? And he had to go through all of this um, because of the will of God. Uh, okay, back in First Samuel, verse 13. Therefore, therefore, Saul removed him from his presence and made him his captain over a thousand. And I don't, to me, it sounds like he got demoted here, but I, I don't know, maybe not. Um, captain over a thousand, and he went out and came in before the people. And David behaved wisely in all of his ways, and the Lord was with him. Therefore, when Saul saw that he behaved very wisely, he was afraid of him. But all of Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them. And so what we're seeing here is Saul was hoping, you know, he put him in in a position um, over these troops, hoping that he would go out and not come back in, right? (laughs) That he would uh, die in battle with the Philistines or his enemies and not come back, but um, that didn't happen. And so Saul continues to plot, and now he's going to bring his kids into the equation. Um, and it, it's kind of interesting how this works out, but, I mean, you saw this with Lot in Genesis where he gives, you know, he, he's willing to give up his daughters to the, uh, the men of the city of Sodom uh, to try to satisfy their lust, right? And it, it blows me away when people will use their kids to try to achieve their goals. And here Saul is, he's going to use his daughters, or one of his daughters specifically, to try to be a, a snare to, to David. Uh, verse 17, then Saul said to David, here is my older daughter, Merib. I will give her to you as a wife. Only be valiant for me and fight the Lord's battles. For Saul thought... Let my hand not be against him, but let the hand of the Philistines be against him. Now, you may remember at the at, uh, chapter 17, Saul did give a promise that whoever killed 
Goliath uh, would get, would uh, marry his daughter. I think the great riches and his family would uh, be exempt from taxes. That sounds pretty good. Uh, <laughs> that was the best of the three. But um, uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But okay, I'll leave that alone. Um, but so th- that was the promise, and I think Saul was kind of using that, but trying to find an angle um, to, to get David as well. And we could see verse 18, so, so David said to Saul, who am I and what is my life or my father's family in Israel that I should be the son-in-law to the king? Isn't that incredible that David still was speaking this way to Saul, that he wanted to honor him and he didn't think he was worthy to be the, the son-in-law to the king? And um, in a way, he kind of rejected him here, or you could say he, he, he didn't think himself to be worthy, and instead of Saul arguing with him, we see verse 19, but it happened at the time uh, when Merib, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David, that she was given to Adriel the Mohalathite as a wife. And so she was given to someone else. I don't know if Saul just changed his mind or what happened there. Um, but she wasn't given to David. Uh, Verse 20, now Michael, Saul's daughter, loved David, and they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. Now, some commentators say that you guys know the life of Michael. I mean, we, we see her through the scriptures. The last account of Michael is not super appealing. I mean, you know, because it says that she, um, this is in Second Samuel, that David's worshiping. He's not wearing the kingly garments, right? He's, maybe he's wearing his, I don't know, undergarments or something. And uh, Michael is, uh, says something to the fact that he's dancing around half naked in front of the slave women. And she dis- detested him, I think was the words. She detested him. And um, so we see that that's kind of the last account of Michael, and so a lot of people think, well, certainly she didn't love him, you know, when it says this here. I, I don't know, you know, I, I tend to think she did, you know, she was a, a princess, um, David was a very passionate man of the Lord, I mean, that probably was attractive, he killed Goliath, I mean, that's something, and um, I, I tend to think she did, but, you know, she was probably a young woman at the time, and I think she did love him. Um, we'll see. We'll see in the next chapter when when Saul tries to assassinate him that she actually helps him out to get out of the situation. And um, but she had a tough life too because you think you know this is like the first celebrity marriage in the Bible that I that I can think of. Right? She's the the princess. David's the most popular person in the the, the country, and they're they're getting married. And shortly after, David has to flee for his life and. Um, by the end of First Samuel, uh, Michael is given to another man by Saul, and so she has to leave David, and she marries another man. By the time David becomes king, he says, no, she belongs to me, takes her back, and at that time, David had many wives, and so this is the new house she's in. And so things change, you know, over time, especially like the situation she was put in. Um, I just hope that uh, we see her in the kingdom, that she, the, she let go of the bitterness in her heart, and, uh, and we get to see Michael. But I, I truly believe she loved him here, truly. Um, so, 
Uh, Verse uh, 21, so Saul said, I will give her to him that she may be a snare to him and that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. So there must have been some characteristic about her that uh, Saul thought she was going to be a pain. Therefore, Saul said to David a second time, you shall be my son-in-law today. And Saul commanded his servants, communicate with David secretly and say, look, the king has delighted in you and all his servants love you. Now, therefore, become the king's son-in-law. So Saul's servants spoke these, those words in the hearing of David. And David said, does it seem to you a light thing to be the king's son-in-law, seeing I am a poor and lightly esteemed man? And the servants of Saul told him, saying, in this manner, David spoke. Verse 25, then Saul said, thus you shall say to David, The king does not desire any dowry but 100 foreskins of the Philistines to take vengeance on the king's enemies. I'll just stop there for a second. So, (laughs) strange situation here, but you guys know what a dowry is, right? So, typically in this situation, especially a rich person like Saul, to get the princess, you would have to come up with a bunch of money, and it would go to the father's or the, the father's family, right, of the bride. And David didn't have money, and so he's thought this just wasn't appropriate. I didn't have a dowry. And Saul comes up with this new idea. And it's, it's odd, but you could see Saul was going after that, um, that truly that, you know, this act will get him killed, right? I mean, not only are you going to have kinetic warfare, but now you're going to launch psychological war- warfare on the Philistines, you know? So they're, they're definitely going to be a hit out on David after this starts going down. Um, so... Uh, Okay, so let's pick up, sorry, mid-verse there, uh, uh, on the king's enemies. But Saul thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. So when his servants told David these words, it pleased David well to become the king's son-in-law. Now the days had not expired. Therefore, David arose and went, he and his men, and killed 200 men of the Philistines. And David brought their foreskins And they gave them in full count to the king, that he might become the king's son-in-law. Then Saul gave him Michael, his daughter, as his wife. So David doubles the ante. He gets 200, and it says that he gave him in full count. So apparently, 1, 2, 50, 195. (laughs) It's disgusting, sorry. (laughs) The Bible doesn't hold back, you know. (laughs) Gives us everything. Verse 28, thus Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David and that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him. And Saul was still more afraid of David, so Saul became David's enemy continually. Then the princes of the Philistines went out to war, and so it was whenever they went out that David behaved more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name became highly esteemed. That's it for tonight, guys. I just, um, we're going to continue on, obviously, in the book of 1 Samuel, and I would, again, I'm going to push this book. Check it out. It'll really help as you're going. That's the first thing I thought of when I was studying for this chapter. Um, 
because really we want to have that heart of David where we're not um, easy. You know, the, I think in Ephesians, the, the verse that's commonly quoted is, you know, be angry, but do not sin, right? Don't let the sun go down on your anger. And being angry at people is a natural, you know, a natural feeling, right? When things happen. And the Bible says that's not a sin. It, that, that initial feeling is not a sin, but what we do with it um, can obviously become a sin. And the Bible even gives us a time frame. It says, don't let the sun go down on your anger, right? Don't, let, don't, don't, don't use that verse for a whole month. Well, I'm being angry and not sinning, right? <laughs> um, so so you, have to, you have to deal with those things and d- deal with it in love. Um, deal with it the way the Lord deals with us, right? Have mercy and grace on people. All right, let's pray. Well, you guys have questions? And then we'll close in prayer. Any questions? I don't know if the time that he knew that the Lord has promised me this so I can chill out because down yeah. to the account, he acts differently. So how can we appropriate that with everyday life with us? The promises of God or God's got my back. I'm really asking questions. I'm, I have a I'm glad that God doesn't tell me what I'm going to be doing in 20 years from now because I don't know if I'd have the patience like David to hold on that long and be that patient. Um, it's incredible. I wonder if he told um, Jonathan. I wonder if he told Jonathan. I think he did. They were good friends that he was anointed by Samuel and um, that you're not going to be king, Jonathan. I'm going to be king. And that would have been a weird conversation. But I, I think about those things. But I think he did talk to him about that. But, um, yeah, good stuff. All right, let's pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I pray that uh, you give us wisdom like you did with David as, he, as you were working him through his life and, and the school he had to go through, Lord. I pray that we're able to... Um, handle the Saul's in our life that throw spears as graciously as David did. That we can uh, just continue to love people, not let it affect us so much, and, and um, share your love with them and, and, and not, not pick up the spear and throw it back, Lord. We don't want to be spear throwers here. And Lord, I uh, lift up the... Uh, just everyone here, everyone watching online, that you just uh, continue to be with us and bless us, Lord. Bless our week. Uh, I know a lot of things going on in the fellowship in people's lives, and just pray for your strength and mercy upon people. Your your um, uh, just continue provision and guidance, Lord. And we just love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.